Hello and welcome to Everyday Sublime. This is your host, Josh Summers, and as always, it's an honor and real pleasure to have you here with me today. I'm excited for today's episode. Today, I am in conversation with Alex Dorr. And Alex, uh, aside from being a, a friend of mine, is the CEO of a functional mushroom company. That's a company that produces organic functional mushrooms. Um, these are not psychedelic mushrooms. These are the the mushrooms that are found um, especially in Chinese medicine, the ancient system of Chinese medicine. These are mushrooms that help uh, balance and nourish our physical being and our psycho-emotional being. And as I say in this, in this conversation with him, uh, I discovered these mushrooms uh, as a supplement several years ago, um, and I really felt that they enhanced my health, particularly in helping me combat the stresses that came with traveling on the road to teach trainings. Um, so I've been a fan of, 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 of Alex's products for a number of years, and, um, and as a fan of these products, I wanted to share um, this resource of his company with you. Um, uh, in acupuncture school, we learned about the, the potency of these mushrooms in terms of um, our physical and mental health. And in light of COVID, I have seen articles uh, by acupuncturists, particularly um, the, the faculty on acupuncture at the college that I went to in Boston, um, all speaking to the importance and encouragement to integrate uh, functional medicines, particularly cordyceps and reishi, into one's holistic toolkit as a way to bolster the immune system and help um, the body uh, both uh, defend and recover from COVID. Now, I'm not. I'm, when I say that, I'm not trying to. I'm not issuing any uh, snake snake uh, oil uh, promises here. Uh, I don't think you know. Much functional mushrooms would be the answer for everything. You know, or if you have COVID, that it will give you a miraculous cure. It's just that I have experienced the uh, the tonifying, the strengthening benefits from including them in my own regimen. And um, both Terry and I have, and we, we just want to share that with you. So to that end, uh, we have become affiliates with Mushroom Revival. So the Everyday Sublime podcast um, and um, our work that Terry and I do is now affiliated with Mushroom, uh, sur uh, mushroom Survival, Mushroom uh, Revival. And um, if you purchase any of their products through the links we have in the show notes, then we get a small percentage to support us. We get a small percentage kickback. So if you are interested, we, we, we greatly appreciate your, um, your patronage of Mushroom Revival, and we really hope they help support you and your health um, or the health of your loved ones. So uh, without further ado, I'm really excited to get into this conversation about functional mushrooms, what they are, what's an adaptogen, how adaptogens have uh, been used throughout history, um, and what they're applied to work for, or, or you know, how adaptogen mushrooms are applied in everyday health. Um, as I mentioned to Alex, we're going to have a follow-up conversation soon about psilocybin. That's the psychedelic mushroom. Um, both he and I have experience with psilocybin, and I think we'll have a really fun conversation around that when we get to it. But in the meantime, please enjoy today's guest, Alex Dorr, on the wonderful functional health support that functional mushrooms can give. OK, 
Okay, today I am with Alex Dorr. Alex, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Thanks for bringing me on. It's glad to be here. Yeah, well, you know, I want to uh, introduce you. First off, you are the founder and CEO of a functional mushroom company called uh, Mushroom Revival. And I think I became aware of your work about three years ago. And so I want to just sort of describe how I found you and then I want to pick your brain a little bit how you came to, to, to this work with working with functional mushrooms. Um, I think it was 2018 and Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind, had just come out. And um, I was very interested at that time around uh, exploring psilocybin because it was something that, you know, Pollan wrote about in the book and it just it was, it was a kind of like a spiritual experience that I had not encountered yet. Um, and I was kind of curious about it. So at that time, I, you know, for work, I teach with my partner, we teach yin yoga teacher trainings and your mother was a student in our school at the time. And I remember sort of at a break talking about Michael Pollan's book. And of course she, uh, she opened up and started sharing about your work, uh, working with functional mushrooms. And so I think I reached out to you, um, kind of looking to see if you had a source, if you had a way of, of, of uh, finding a source for, for psilocybin. But I remember reaching out over uh, your website back then where there was kind of a pop-up window that says, how can we help you here at Mush Revival? <laughs> you know, and I, I, I typed in, hi there. And you were the live human on the other end of that exchange. It wasn't a robot that you, you were really the person there. And uh, we got to talking a little bit about functional mushrooms which I knew a little bit about from my training in acupuncture uh, maybe 15 years ago. Um, and I kind of, I was curious enough about them to ask you your advice around, you know, what do you recommend? How do you, how do you recommend me integrating, uh, bringing functional mushrooms into my health life? And you had suggested when I said I was looking for better energy, you suggested I try your tincture of cordyceps, um, which is one of the mushrooms you, you offer and sell. And uh, I just, as a testimonial, um, one of the things that I was struggling with was at the time I was traveling a lot back and forth to Europe, um, teaching trainings in Ireland and Switzerland a lot, two or three or four times a year. And the jet lag was just destroying me. And so I had this history of struggling with jet lag as, as a base. And then I got a shipment of your cordyceps mushrooms, started taking them and, and felt better. I, could, I noticed an improved energy sense um, right away. But really, when I traveled the next time, like a few months later, when I went on the road and was dealing with jet lag again, taking the cordyceps, I noticed immediately like the, the, the pain of the jet lag had been reduced by like 80% to the, to the point that a friend of mine uh, who knows me very well and has known me for years, literally made comments around, he, he didn't quite recognize me anymore. I was more energized. I was wanting to go for longer walks and hikes and just, I wasn't as lethargic, um, which is what, how he normally sees me when I'm struggling with jet lag. So I became a little bit of a um, born again evangelist around <laughs> the power of these mushrooms and started looking into it. And, um, and of course, so then I've gotten familiar with your work and, uh, and the great work you're doing with your, with your company. And I want to talk about 
the whole range of what you do and how you got into it. But as kudos to you, you know, I, I was just in Switzerland last October and another friend who I, I've known for a few years there now is a German guy also named Alex. He said to me, he said, Hey, have you heard about these great mushrooms that uh, this company uh, mushroom revival is making? And I said, in fact, I know, <laughs> I know the very company. I know the man behind the company. Um, so it was a little bit, that encounter was, was I shared it with you earlier, but it, it was a, like a sense of that you're really making a splash. Like this is, this is, this is a, a pretty big thing you're, you're doing. It's, it's really impressive and it's doubly impressive giving, given your, your young age. I think you're just about 25 years old or maybe a little bit past that now. Almost 27. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And it, it helps to have, you know, it's, it's all the mushrooms. They're, they're the interesting part. I, I, I just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to share their wisdom and their amazingness. It's, it, <laughs> it would be harder for me to make a splash sharing something that was pretty boring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I know you have a bit of a story yourself. How did you, uh, come to be the CEO and founder of a functional mushroom company? And then, know, then we can get into what talking about what functional mushrooms are, but just to, to yeah, set it up. It, it really feels like I, I didn't really have a choice, honestly. Um, you know, I I dealt with depression and anxiety a lot when I was a, a kid and, and Lyme disease and just had a lot of health issues. And so I, I think I was always looking for ways to, to better my health, right? And so Flashback until 2013, uh, first semester of college, someone offered me a full solo cup, red solo cup worth of um, psilocybin mushrooms or magic mushrooms. And they said, hey, I'll give you the whole cup if you uh, for free if you eat it on the spot. Now, that was the first time I tried magic mushrooms. I didn't know what a dose was. And I was like, okay, you know, orientation week of college, you know, this is this is how you, you try stuff. You meet new people. Um, and so I ate them and for people. So wait, who, pause. <laughs> what, how, how big of a cup are we talking about? So I, I measured it afterwards. And so people who don't know it's, you know, a red plastic cup that normally college kids play beer pong with and that sort of okay. thing. Um, That's what I was imagining. Yeah. And so normally people start out on their first dose. They, they might want to go with 1.5 grams to 3.5 grams, you know, around that range. I weighed it after and it was about 30, 35 grams. Holy. So way more. It was like way, way, way. There's a famous psychonaut, Terrence McKenna, um, yeah. who says five grams is like the heroic dose, right? So it was <laughs> six, six times, times more than the heroic dose. And I you know, had crazy breakthroughs, uh, at some point in the, the heat of it, I lost all conception of myself, right. Total ego death, total immersion with the oneness of the universe. I mean, yeah, a mini Samadhi experience and it was, it was beautiful. Um, but it, it really shook me up. It took me weeks to integrate that. And I was a little sh shooken up after, but one thing that I did notice is that I 
I was taking medication at the time and I totally just flushed the rest down the toilet for depression and anxiety. And so that was just the start of, wow, these, you know, psilocybin mushrooms can really help. And the longer I, I use them for the next six months or so, um, I ended up weaning off, you know, I was drinking a lot. I stopped drinking. Uh, I was smoking a lot cigarettes. I completely stopped smoking and changed my friend group, got into yoga, healthy eating, Qigong, the whole, the whole works and really just turned my life around. And so that was my lily pad to launch off from of, okay, if, if these mushrooms can do that, what, what are the other mushrooms doing? And so I bought every single book that I could. I signed up for every single class, got every single free internship. I, I was like, I'll drive across the country and, you know, I'll work for free. Just teach me what is going on with these mushrooms. And so it was just this rapid drinking from the fire hose for, you know, I'm still drinking from the fire hose, but, you know, one thing led to another. I just started working at local mushroom farms, getting getting my hands dirty, just growing thousands of pounds of mushrooms and, and figuring it out, right? Um, how do these things grow? What are they used for? What's going on? And yeah, after, you know, I, I got my major in mycology, I switched it in school and uh, wrote a whole book on microremediation, how fungi can degrade toxic waste in our environment with fungi. So oil spills, plastic, you name it. And after yeah, college, what, I, was, yeah. I was I was hoping you'd bring this up because I've I've heard um, a little bit of that about how I think through, through some conversations I've heard with Paul Stamets, another big mycologist, around how fungi can 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 clean up waste, whether it's petro, petroleum waste or other forms of waste, and 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 actually clean up waste within the human system too. Um, but before just going there, I just want to uh, highlight something you said around the psilocybin. First, we should we should be clear that psilocybin is not a functional mushroom that you're selling. <laughs> this is right, these, these, right. But this this is the the magic mushroom that uh, gives a lot of people who ingest it really deep, transcendent, mystical experiences. And um, for for just anyone that hasn't really followed the psilocybin literature, it, it's important those listening know that it's considered to be non-addictive or anti-addictive in a way. And, and in, in its use, it is often used and has been shown through some studies to be very beneficial for working with addiction. So you mentioned alcohol exactly. and nic- nicotine. I found, you know, mushrooms, uh, psilocybin itself also helped me get off alcohol. Um, and so it, it, it's a quite interesting uh, molecule for sure. Um, but, uh, so to, to pick up there for this, this, how fungi, cause you studied mycology, right? I did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I almost felt like it was a little bit of an ivory tower that I was stuck in, you know, um, it sounds, all these things sound great on paper and, you know, I, I was working at commercial mushroom farms, I was getting hands-on experience outside of academia, but a lot of the studies on micromediation and a lot of the things that I was studying, I wasn't putting into practice outside of the ivory tower. So graduating, 
uh, from a university was like popping the bubble of, oh shit, okay, what can I actually do in the real world? And so that was the launch of Mushroom Revival as, okay, let's put this into practice, right? Uh, more so from just working for somebody else. Uh, now I, I, I felt, you know, I had the last four or five years of just gaining all these skills and knowledge. I, I felt ready to, you know, hold the the reins a little bit and take the leap and it hasn't been easy. <laughs> it's been yeah. a learning curve for sure. Every step of the way, but it's been so rewarding to be able to work with these organisms on a deeper level and, you know, also try really hard to, to make that ripple as you were talking about in the beginning of, you know, sharing it with other people. Cause it's so incredible. I, I don't, there's really two groups of people with mushrooms. It's either the group that doesn't really like them. They're like meh about it or kind of disgusted or the group on the way other end of the spectrum. That's just obsessed. That's like, mm -hmm. wow, mushrooms can save the world. They're, they're doing amazing things. And I had no idea and so that's really rewarding of of helping people cross that bridge, right? Of go of coming from a place of not really knowing anything about it, kind of having a phobia of it, you know, they're kind of gross and slimy and, you know, whatever. I'm not really into them to crossing the bridge of holy shit, mushrooms are amazing, you know. And so that's that's one of the most rewarding things that I could do. Yeah, and I would put myself in that category of, of being fairly ignorant around the the science biology, um, networking of, of mushrooms. Um, and I just, as I was preparing for today, I, I had this flashback from my childhood of when my, my younger sister, you know, was wandering around the yard and picked up a toadstool, ate it. And then everyone in the house freaks out. She has to get a, you know, basically give an epicac or a medic and a medic yeah. to, to make her vomit and, and get it out. Um, and so there was this like real almost sense of taboo around them for, for with me for a long time. Um, but we, I guess one simple, somewhat ignorant question is what, you know, th they're considered a form of life, right? Yeah. 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 So, they're and, their own kingdom. They're their own kingdom. And that's the thing that always is a little confusing to me. What, so what makes them like, what gives them the designation of having their own kingdom? Yeah. So it's the mainly the way that they, um, you know, reproduce and also, uh, consume their food. So, you know, it wasn't until 1969 that they, up till 1969, they were still considered plants. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people still today still call them vegetables and they still think they're plants, but, um, they're not animals. They're not bacteria. Uh, you know, they're not plants. They're, they're their own kingdom, which also include yeasts, which also include molds. Um, and they also include mushrooms. So, you know, there's estimated 5 million species of fungi. And out of that 5 million, only 120,000 have been described. And out of that 120,000, only 14,000 actually produce mushrooms. So, you know, not a lot actually produce that typical cap and stem mushroom that you see in a grocery store, the one, you know, mushrooms that people know. So 
mushrooms, all they are, are the reproductive structures of the organism. You can think of them as like fruit, right? Mm -hmm. So think of them like an apple or a pear. They're just a structure that, you know, a lot of animals like to eat and they hold the seeds or in the case of mushrooms, the spores, right? Um, to, to spread their DNA. So not all mushrooms, not all fungi make mushrooms. Um, so the saying goes, um, all mushrooms are fungi, but all, not all fungi are mushrooms. Gotcha. So if, if the mushroom is a bit like the fruit, what is the, the underlying matrix of fungi that's producing that fruit? Yeah. So there's this network called mycelium and it's this a lot of times white, but sometimes, you know, it's, it's other colors, this filamentous, almost, it looks like this spider web, uh, looking structure underground. Um, and sometimes it's inside of a tree. Uh, sometimes it's inside of an insect, but most of the time it's underground. And what it's doing is it's just spreading out. Um, sometimes it has a relationship with a tree or a plant, um, and digesting organic material. Uh, and so both animals and fungi have to digest and consume their food, right? Um, mm -hmm. Where plants, they use photosynthesis to uh, make their own food. So that sets, us, that sets fungi apart and us apart from plants. And surprisingly, we share over 50% of our DNA with fungi. So we're actually closer related to fungi than we are to plants. And we share a distant ancestor. So, you know, a lot of people think they're super alien, but they're actually, you know, uh, like a long lost cousin of ours. <laughs> and what is like that? I mean, I've heard about mycelium, mycelium a little bit and it, 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 every time I hear any kind of fact around it, it sort of blows my mind. I mean, I've heard that it's a, some have even uh, compared it uh, to like the fascia in a human body. It's this connective tissue that links everything. It's a communicative tissue. Does that hold water for your understanding of what mycelium is? Yeah. No, when I, when I was doing my yoga teacher training and they were talking about fascia, I was like, oh my God, that is, that is the mycelium of the human body. Uh, I think that is the perfect analogy. Um, Fungi, are, I mean, mycelium really holds the soils together. Um, it's estimated that, you know, fungi make up to 90% of the total biomass in forest soils and 50% of agricultural soils and 25% uh, of all biomass on earth. And most of the time, fungi are too small to see or are hiding you know, beneath the soil, we can't see through the soil, so we can't really see it, um, or inside of a tree or inside of a plant. And so they're kind of this underrepresented, you know, kingdom that a lot of people, it just goes unnoticed and fungi are in our everyday products that we use, you know, fungal enzymes are in your laundry detergent. When you're, when you're putting on clothes in the morning, you know, fungal enzymes went into making your fabrics. A lot of times the dyes, uh, the next time you write on a piece of paper, fungal enzymes went into making that piece of paper. Um, even the food and the beverages we eat next time you eat cheese or bread, you know, or beer at the end of the day, you know, you're consuming yeast, uh, which is a, is fungi, 
um, every breath that we're taking, we're breathing in, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of, of, uh, fungal spores or mushroom spores. So fungi are everywhere, but a lot of times they go unnoticed. So a lot of people really don't give the appreciation that it really deserves. Yeah. No, and coming back to the idea of fascia, it sounds like one fascial expert calls fascia the Cinderella tissue in anatomy. Yeah. You know, I love that. Like this the Cinderella kingdom in a way. It's just overlooked. Um so you know you've 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 started this company now and you produce functional mushrooms. So how does a functional mushroom differ from the a, a generic kind of uh out in the wild mushroom? Yeah. So let me break it down and then I'll I'll talk, you know, give a brief dem, uh kind of definition of a functional mushroom. So before I was saying that, you know, out of the 120,000 species of fungi that we've discovered, 14,000 actually produce mushrooms. So out of those 14,000 that actually produce mushrooms, about 50% of those are inedible, right? We can't eat them. Uh, there might be a conch, you know, something really hard. We're not going to chew through that, right? Um, 25 is edible, but not that great. You know, in a survival situation, you could probably eat it, but you know, it's not delectable. You're not going to find it in a grocery store. 20% has some compounds in it that might give you a stomach ache, but they're not going to kill you. You don't have to go to the ER. You know, you, you probably won't feel good for a couple hours, but you'll be fine. Um, 4% are super choice, super tasty. You'll find them at grocery stores, farmers markets, etc. You got, you know, the button mushrooms, the maitake, shiitake, those, those kind of mushrooms. And then about 1% will severely harm you where you'll probably want to go to the hospital, um, but you won't really die. You'll, you'll be fine, but you'll be puking and it'll be bad. And about a dozen will kill you. Um, and so, yeah, there's actually more poisonous plants than there are mushrooms, but mushrooms have more that will kill you. So they get, they get the, the short end of the stick for that, that fear. Um, we don't really have a good estimate right now on how many are functional. So when I say functional, I mean, you know, mushrooms that have compounds that benefit and support the human body. Um, and so usually all functional mushrooms have these two benefits. So they either support the immune system, um, I shouldn't say either. They they support the the immune system, and they also are classified as adaptogens, meaning that they help uh, support our our body's defense against occasional stress. And so, all functional mushrooms have those two benefits of you know supporting the immune system and then also helping against occasional stress. And then once you go into each specific mushroom, like we were talking about cordyceps before. Cordyceps is like its special tool and its tool belt is being supportive for our energy, right? And supporting lung health and, you know, helping us with jet lag, resetting our circadian rhythm and our, our biological clock. Um, a lot of athletes use it. It it helps our natural ATP in our body, adenosine triphosphate, food for the mitochondria, powerhouse of the cell. Um 
Can and I ask, is that, is that the, the kind of have, have science or Western science looked into the mechanism for how it, people experience more energy? Is it like the, the, the mushroom itself is somehow feeding the mitochondria of the cell? Yeah. And it, it has two main compounds, uh, cortisepin and adenosine, which adenosine, one of the precursors to adenosine triphosphate ATP. Um, which everyone, so, which everyone will remember as the, the energy molecule in the body. The energy molecule. Yeah. Yeah. High school biology, uh, flashbacks. Um, yeah. So from our understanding, those are the two main molecules as we do further research, we'll probably find more, but you know, those have the most amount of research to date. Um, and in the most amount of white papers behind them. And so that's, that's cordyceps and, you know, there's so many, but I'll just name probably two other heavy hitters. Lion's mane is a really popular one. And that's, you know, the brain mushroom supporting memory, cognitive function, um, you know, an amazing, amazing mushroom that I think everyone should take every day, especially we're looking at screens and being bombarded by so many different things that it, it's good to keep our brain healthy and, and sharp. Um, so that's lion's mane and the other really famous before you move on, do yeah. you have a, any, any sense of how lion's mane, what the mechanism of lion's mane in, is in, in terms of supporting brain function? Yeah, there's, there is about, you know, I'd say 14 compounds in, in lion's mane mushroom that have been studied for nerve growth factor. Um, supporting nerve growth factor in the brain. Um, so just the health of, of our, uh, neurons in our brain. Um, the main one, I think that has probably the most amount of studies are this, these class of compounds called hericinones, but there's a dozen more that also equally have a lot of research, but I feel like people don't really talk about. Um, and so those are the class of compounds in lion's mane that I think get the most recognition. Um, and it's cool, you know, they could pass through the blood brain barrier and, um, yeah, it's, it's really, you know, there's not a lot of things in nature that are nootropic. And so to find something to really help our brain is, is a bit rare. Um, you know, we have coffee for energy, but there isn't really a lot of people take coffee, right. For the brain function, but it can be detrimental in the long term, right? So long-term, uh, coffee use, especially in large amounts can be detrimental for both your energy and a, a million other things. Um, it's yep. not the best to be taking a lot of coffee, uh, every day for many, many years. Um, I still drink it, but I only drink it a couple few times a week, you know, mm -hmm. and max it out at a cup, uh, and also support it with a bunch of different adaptogens. So any, you know, I, I'm minimizing the jitters, I'm minimizing the crash, I'm minimizing, you know, the detrimental, uh, effects on my adrenal glands and, and all mm -hmm. these different things, which I, I think everyone who drinks coffee should be balancing it with ad adaptogens. Um, coffee in and of itself does somewhat the opposite of what cordyceps do, does. And it actually suffocates the brain 
uh, and it puts your body in a sense of fight or flight. So it works in, in the interim, right? You, you feel you're just pumped with endorphins and you feel like I'm in fight or flight mode. I have to survive and I have to feel energized and it works, right? You feel a ton of energy, but too much of that, you feel jittery and then the inevitable crash, right? Of your brain, like I don't have enough oxygen, I'm dying. So I'm just going to crash. And too much of that, you know, yeah, it's, it's terrible for your, your adrenals. Is the mechanism, the, the word you use, right? Suffocating the brain is the mechanism around coffee. Do you know, is that because coffee is a vasoconstrictor or caffeine is a vasoconstrictor and this is, I'm coming to the limits of my understanding because I'm uh -huh. not a doctor. Um, and I wish I understood a little bit more about the human anatomy than I do. But from my You're limited jogging. understanding, it blocks the adenosine receptors oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. in your brain um, and limits the amount of oxygen that your brain gets. Uh, and so from my understanding, that in and of itself puts... <laughs> your, your body in a state of fight or flight, um, through, through that receptor mechanism. Right. You know, as you're speaking about that, I remember it was a while back. I read a book called caffeine blues that I think gets into that, that, uh, the, that mechanism, but also it reminds me of, uh, Michael Pollan also, I think did an audio book on caffeine, the history of caffeine itself. And that got me kind of down a rabbit hole at one point reading, another book about sleep where they're talking about the effect of caffeine on sleep. Um, but the, the, the thing that popped in my mind was they, someone did a study comparing the effects of caffeine on spider web making. Oh yeah. And, then, and comparing that to say what cannabis had on spider web making or psilocybin or uh, MDMA, I think. And the most crazy erratic non-functional web was was created on caffeine by the spider. That's crazy. Um, and so this sort of the takeaway was that in many ways, caffeine is the most socially sanctioned, sanctioned, most powerful psychoactive drug out there. Um, it is. And, yeah. Yeah. I love when people are like, oh, I don't take drugs. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> you know, sugar, caffeine, there's so many. I mean, if you look up the definition of a drug, it's pretty much any anything that alters your body, which oxygen you can think of as a drug, really strictly speaking, um, we are, we are constantly bombarded by drugs and, and these dopamine, you know, uh, anything that boosts our dopamine little hits throughout the day from social media, everything. Um, it, it's surprising once you kind of narrow it down of, uh, how many things are influencing our, our body and our, our psyche. Um, you know, we, 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 we think magic mushrooms, we think LSD, we think MDMA and all those, all those things. But, uh, when you boil it down, it's really most everything we, we are a receptor for stimulus, right? Cause and effect. Uh, and it, that goes a bit further of, do we have free will, right? We're, uh, we're definitely an organism of cause and response, right? Yeah, definitely. I, yeah, the free will one is something that has, has been rattling in my head for a long time now. And, uh, we won't open that can of worms quite yet, but, um, you know, I wanted to come back to the, 
cordyceps for a second, because I know, you know, in Chinese medicine, these, some of these mushrooms have been used for thousands of years and, 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 and in the materia medica, that is the sort of the, the, the working body of plant and animal uh, herbs slash elements that have been ingested and put into formulas to, to rectify patterns of disharmony in, in, yeah. in humans. Um, mushrooms have been a part of that. And um, <clears throat> I know the, the, the cordyceps specifically strengthens the kidney energy, it strengthens the es essence that's stored in the kidney known as Jing, which um, often is, is associated with sexual function, bone health, memory, concentration. So the, the, the things you were describing, I think both with the cordyceps and the lion's mane seem to speak to, to really many of those functions, right? Yeah. And it, it's also rare to find herbs that, you know, replenish Jing. Um, you know, when I was just, when I was first learning, you know, TCM, I, I, or traditional Chinese herbalism, I, I, you know, was, I thought, you know, once you lose your Jing, you're done. Uh, and, and that was, there wasn't really a good way to protect it. And, you know, it's kind of like wax of a candle. Yeah. You, you lose it. Um, but uh, yeah, cordyceps are one of those things. Ginseng is another one that that really help protect Jing and and kind of nourish Jing on a on a deep level. If we're talking about it on that way, mm -hmm. that's why a lot of older gentlemen gentlemen like to use it uh, because it's it's really good after you lose your kind of vital essence as you as you age. Um, and probably the actually the number one herb in traditional Chinese herbalism is reishi. And that was the third mm -hmm. mushroom I was about to talk about, uh, also called, you know, the 10,000 year mushroom, mushroom of immortality. You know, a lot of um, Chinese emperors used to have reishi depicted on their robes or in art or, you know, uh, on their staves. Uh, reishi was seen as a very, very sacred mushroom. And actually both cordyceps and reishi were... Uh, they were reserved for royalty in China for thousands of years. If you were caught with these mushrooms, you could have your hands chopped off or other things mm. because they were so sacred, so reserved for royalty because of their, their benefits, right? Um, if you have a name like mushroom of immortality, I'm, I'm sure, you know, all the emperors would, would love to take that. And Reishi is really known for, I mean, it has a laundry list of benefits, but I think now it's the most people are talking. Uh, the thing that people are talking about reishi the most is its sense to uh, bring people a sense of calm or helping people, you know, have an easeful transition to sleep. Um, it it has these class of triterpenes. Uh, specifically ganoderic acids, but there's a, there's a couple more that really help, you know, take the edge off, right? It's kind of yep. like butter on a pan. It, it, it just really helps soothe out the edges. And, um, and from a Chinese medical perspective, reishi uh, in, influences the energy of the heart, right? Is that- yeah. Yeah, mostly the heart also um 
Well, so, so while you're thinking there, you know, from Chinese medical perspective, the heart, as you know, and just to share with our listeners, the heart is the organ in which, well, I should say all of the Chinese organs, uh, whether it's the kidneys, liver, spleen, lungs, heart, all of the, the way the Chinese look at the organs is that they see the functions of the organs distributed throughout the kind of the holistic expression of the human form or the human life. So there's, there's physical functions that relate to tissues. There's energetic functions that relate to the vital substances or, you know, the, the life force and jing and, and blood of the body. And then there are these psycho emotional, psycho spiritual functions associated with each of the organs. The heart is the residence of the big spirit or Shen that uh, sort of oversees one way I try to describe it is that it, it gives a situational awareness such that we're able to tune our activity or our action to the context in a, in a way that is sort of harmonious. Um, and uh, so you gave the example of, of easing the transition to sleep at night. And if there's a disturbance in the heart spirit, then the, the 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 appropriate response to time is 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 off balance. In other words, you, insomnia is not the appropriate response to the, the nighttime uh, activity of resting and sleeping. So, you know, to, to, for you to say and for me to hear that the reishi uh, calms the spirit and and lo and behold helps with insomnia. That that is very much aiding and abetting the function of the heart spirit. And and so a question I have is. Is there any uh, other uh, holistic uh, impact of reishi on vascular, the vascular system? Because like the heart, I, you know, I don't know if this is uh, documented, but the heart controls as a tissue, it controls the blood vessels. And, um, and I'm just curious if there was a sort of a, both a holistic kind of impact of the mushroom on that organ. That makes yeah. sense. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of research. There's I'm limited on what I can actually say, um, without getting the hammer from the FDA, but, um, there, <laughs> there are studies that show it's supportive for the heart, um, mm -hmm. and the cardiovascular for cardiovascular health. Um, and I, I do want to say, you know, going back to Shen, my traditional Chinese herbalism teacher gave a great analogy when, when talking about reishi and Shen, he said, if, if you want to know if someone has disturbed Shen, uh, you look at the dog in the room and <laughs> dogs, animals just have a, an amazing way to just pick up on, you know, nonverbal cues and they sense energy, right? A, a horse or, or any animal, they just sense energy. Right. Uh, and, and we don't really fully understand how, but they do. And a dog does this thing when someone's acting a little weird, it'll just give a little head tilt with a little ear kind of yeah. like, and they might make a noise too, but. Well, my dog does that when I say dinner, walk and the head tilt. And, and yeah, they're just kind of checking you out. They're just kind of like, what? Like, what did you just say? And, um, and so that, that's what he said of, of, you know, check if, if someone is acting a little off and then the dog does that, you know, that's like a total indicator <laughs> But everyone is, I, I'm sure, felt this way uh, in their life of you just have an off day and you might say something that you're just like, why the hell did I say that? Or just, mm -hmm. you know, um, I'm just out of it, you know, I'm, uh, and 
I had that day yesterday and I was thinking, why, why is there this disconnect between my brain and my mouth? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying one thing, but my brain's saying, no, 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 no. That's not right. Yeah. It's just, it's just something's off. And, um, another, another quote that my, one of my, t- my teacher said was, um, you know, we, we live in a society where everyone has a hot head and a cold heart and, uh, we need adaptogens, you know, mainly reishi, uh, to help, you know, have a cool head and a warm heart. Yeah. So I, I think that is something that reishi does a beautiful job at. Um, you know, it's just once when you're relaxed, you, you can't, you have more space to hold love and if you're stressed out and you're have a hot head and you're, you know, going bing, 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 one thing after another, it's harder to be a good person. Honestly, it's, it's harder to, you know, have space to hold empathy, to have space to, you know, give back, have space to pause, to say, is that really what I want to say? Or should I, should I say this in a more kinder way? Right. Um, and so, yeah, all adaptogens I think will help with that, but reishi in, in particular is just packed with these triterpenes that you know help support our normal in, uh, inflammatory response. You know, post workout or something like that. If anyone has ever had reishi, it should be extremely bitter, right? Mm-hmm. And those are those triterpene compounds. Those they're notoriously incredibly bitter, and. Um, way you're describing that, um, you know, as a meditator, enthusi- meditation enthusiast, I mean, it sounds like this, this mushroom reishi is the, the supplemental, uh, support to many of the developments one would hope to cultivate in a meditative practice. And was there, I assume, I, I, I don't know the history of it myself, but I assume that these were used in, in Taoist culture too, to, for immortality and, and, and kind of the spirit, uh, awakening, calming dynamics that you're describing. Yeah, actually, uh, Taoist monks used reishi before their meditation practice. And, um, you know, I, I use it before bed. Um, and it, it depends on the person. It's funny. We, um, our, our president of mushroom revival, her name is Carrie. She's so sensitive with, with, reishi that she'll have like a couple drops of our tincture not dropper fulls but drops and she'll pass out (laughs) like she'll she goes right to sleep and says she'll sleep for like if no one if she doesn't have an alarm she'll sleep for like 14 hours um i she's the most sensitive i've heard of any individual um for me i can take a lot but it it really helps just you know, take the edge off and, and, you know, that's a lot of, a lot of why, you know, people do asana is to get ready for meditation, right? You know, you're doing the postures to loosen your body. So you're not holding on to tension that keeps you from that state of bliss. Um, and I think, you know, herbal allies can also help. We have many tools in the, in the tool belt, right? Yeah, no, it, 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 um, absolutely seems like a, uh, a good synergistic element to, a, to a kind of a practice. Um, but also beyond practice, I'm just, as I'm listening to you, I'm like thinking 
of of the world that we've all lived through in the last year and a half. Yeah. Plus, yeah. you know, it, I mean, who couldn't use a little bit more energy and a, <clears throat> a little calmer spirit? Yeah. A calmer heart, a cooler mind and a, and a, and a warmer, calmer heart to rest. Yep. Um, so, I mean, I want to get into, um, you know, I, I'm imagining myself listening to this episode and, and you've, you've, you've said some flares like, Oh, you have two drops and you might pass out. No, no, no. <laughs> and, yeah. That's yeah. So, so I want to come back to your recommendations around, um, how somebody might consider starting to integrate, uh, your products and into their own holistic lifestyle. Um, but tell me about your company first, because, um, I, 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 it wasn't through you, but I think I just through Googling around it, it, it seems like, uh, you are one of the only companies that produces organic, um, functional mushrooms. Is that accurate? We are, we are one of the, the few, um, you know, it, it is getting more and more common to see organic, which is exciting, but you know, we were the, we were the first organic cordyceps militaris farm in the Americas, um, mm. actually in even Europe as well. And, um, that makes you a historical figure. Yeah. I mean, it, it was weird that we were, and I, as, as honored as it, as I felt, I also felt frustrated as like, come on guys. Like, you know, um, you know, as a collective, as a community, it's like, we have to do more. And why is this 20 something year old going to be the first organic cordyceps farm in this half of the globe? It's like, we need more people farming this stuff. We need more people getting into this. We actually were, we just launched the the first, the world's first certified organic mushroom capsules, uh, USDA mm. certified organic mushroom capsules. And again, it was the same feeling. I We felt incredibly honored, but also frustrated at the industry of like, come on guys, we, we need more organic capital. We need more organic everything. You know, we need less uh, pesticides and, and chemicals entering our environment. We need to kind of step the bar up a little bit. Um, and yeah, we're, we're, because I went through a lot of my own health crises, I think, you know, I, I uphold our company to really, really, really high standards. And at the cost of, we have probably lower margins than, um, than other companies, right? Mm -hmm. So we probably less, we make less profit than other companies because we, we just make our products that much better, but I, yeah, I, I won't kind of, I won't sacrifice that, um, to make more money. I, I want to help people's health. Right. Um, and, and we'll not package in plastic. We'll choose glass. We'll, we'll choose all these different things that, you know, are better for the, the people or the environment just because it's what we believe in. You know, we're, we're mavericks about very high quality, uh, ingredients and processes. And that, that leads me to, you know, of course, I, everyone listening, I'd love for you guys to come to our site and buy our stuff. But if you're just out in the grocery store or whatever, if you're looking for mushrooms, period, I have a good, these three rules, the three good rules, uh, for looking for any mushroom supplements. And the first is good mushrooms. 
Um, and so organic, I think that's really important. Um, but also getting actual mushrooms. There's a lot of companies out there that sell something called mycelium on grains. So we were talking about mycelium in the beginning. You can think of it as like the roots of the mushroom. And the difficult thing is a lot of these companies, especially in the United States, for whatever reason, um, these companies will label right on the front of the label. They'll say mushrooms, they'll put mushrooms all over the label, but there's no actual mushrooms in the product itself. There's actually a study uh, in partnership with the USP, which sets guidelines for pharmaceuticals and other things. They found up to 75% of reishi, up to 70% of reishi products on the market don't actually contain any mushrooms in them. Mm-hmm. So it's a surprising amount of products on the market that are just crap, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I, I, I don't like to, you know, talk bad on other companies, but as a consumer, you know, it, if you're going to spend a lot on a supplement, you, you want to know that you're getting the right stuff. So that's kind of the first thing of making sure you're actually getting the mushrooms. The mushrooms have, you know, hundreds of times more of the main functional compounds that you want. Um, whereas the mycelium has very little. Um, and so that's the first thing that you want to look for. The second thing is good extraction. And that means, you know, mushrooms are really hardy. They're made out of chitin, which is one of the hardiest structures on the planet. And they trap a lot of the the really good compounds. And so your body won't be able to absorb all the good stuff. And so just making sure it's extracted, uh, dual extracted. So using the most common would be alcohol and water. And it should say it on the label. If you're looking at the ingredients panel, um, it should say dual extracted or water alcohol extracted. Um, and the third category to look out for is good certifications. And so we talked about organic, like having that organic seal is so important. You know, it's it's a rigorous certification and it makes sure that that mushroom is clean, right? It's It's clean, it's high quality. They're not using dirty chemicals. They're you know, it's a really high quality, um, process and not only the growing of the mushrooms has to be organic, but anybody who handles it throughout the way, right. In the the facility, making the tincture, the capsules or whatever, um, their whole facility has to be certified organic and they have agents that come inspect and things like that. Um, and that goes into being lab tested. You know, we have a QR code on the side of our of our bottles um, that people can scan and they can see the lab results. And I think we, I believe we were the first to do that. Um, but I, I just think it's so important. I think beyond mushrooms and beyond supplements, I think this is going to be a norm for any mm. anything. If the next time you go in the grocery store and I feel like 10, 20 years, especially with, you know, blockchain technology and everything, you're going to see, uh, you're going to be able to scan your carrot (laughs) or whatever your vegetable or whatever, and see the whole transparent chain, um, of ingredients and the supply chain and the level of, uh, you know, iron in your carrot or whatever, all, all the different minerals and 
vitamins and uh, how, how many heavy metals, like that will be a norm in 10 years, I feel like for every mm -hmm. single thing on the shelf. Um, so I, we wanted to kind of start it out. And, and I think, you know, if you don't see any lab results, ask the company. And if they don't give it to you, then that's a red flag. Um, mm -hmm. You should be able to see, you know, are there heavy metals in here? Are there, how much E. coli is in your product? And if they don't know, that's a, that's a red flag. Um, mm -hmm. And okay. You know, we we're talking about these, you know, cordycepin for cordyceps or hericinones for lion's mane or triterpenes for reishi. Um, you know, these, these main functional compounds that, that do the scientific magic in our body. Uh, yeah. I mean, we, we should know. Um, there, there's a main class of compounds that all functional mushrooms have. They're 1316 beta glucans, and they help support our immune system. And they're the most well-studied compounds for functional mushrooms. And that is becoming kind of a, a benchmark for the industry of if you're looking for a really high-quality mushroom supplement, even just that as a compound being transparent is, is pretty good. And, um, so that's a really good one. One, three, one, six beta glucans. Um, and so those are the three categories I like to tell people, you know? Yeah. Um, and of course, it. and of course, mushroom revival ticks off all three boxes, correct? Of course. Yeah. And, and every iteration we're, we're getting better and better, right? Mm -hmm. Um, we're constantly improving our cultivation methods, um, you know, our formulations our extractions our certifications We're we're constantly just upping the bar, not because we need to, because we want to. Um, and cause it, I feel like it pushes the industry forward, which it feels good. I, I want all companies to, to follow in our footsteps. And, and the last thing we also plant a tree for every product we sell. And I, I want not, not only every mushroom company to do this, but I think every company period, you know, we, our world would be in a very different place if say every time everyone bought something from Amazon, you know, it planted a tree. I mean, the mm. world would be a very different place if that was in place. Um, yeah. I mean, so literally the heart, the company's heart, the company's own spirit is, is rooted in the heart is what it sounds. And I have to say is on the consumer side, first off, I should also say, you know, my interest in hosting you on the show is to is really to give a public service announcement for the work you're doing and and the products you offer. Uh, just because I, I believe in them, I get zero kickback, and I'm not here to to, to enrich myself by uh, showcasing you. But um, it, having watched the company grow over the past few years, I can really see a development. But the the core of it really has this very well produced product that you can feel the love in it. Like the, 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 just the, the, the whole tone, the whole vibe of your website, your podcast, the way you, the wording, the copy, it's all from the heart. And it, it's very, very, very apparent. Um, I wanted to, I have, I've had this lingering question. I wanted to ask you about Shoot. cordyceps themselves, which is yeah. that, you know, I noticed that you were selling cordyceps militaris and as I started looking into it more, I started hearing more and more about cordyceps is it sinensis. Yeah. Right? And, and, and then I, that brought me to how cordyceps is cultivated and farmed. 
And, and, and so can you tell me the difference between the two kinds of cordyceps? And then can you tell me how you are harvesting cordyceps? Yeah. It, before I go in, we're coming up on an hour. Are we cut off an hour or there's no cut off? I mean, it's no cut off. Okay. Yeah. So, cause I could talk about this for the next five hours. So I just want to make sure what, how I should, uh, ribbon this up. Um, yeah. So the one that's the, the cordyceps that's probably the world's most famous variety is Ophiocordyceps sinescens. And that grows in the Himalayan mountains. Um, and it grows off a caterpillar, basically. And it grows right off the head out of a caterpillar um, of a, a, a ghost moth uh, larva. And it's worth its weight in gold. And it's super rare, and it grows, you know, 10,000, 15,000 feet above sea level. And it's really, really small, just poking out of the grass and extremely hard to find. They just blend in really well. And so people have to go on their hands and knees, and it's like an inch per minute. And they're just kind of like going through the grass and trying to find these, the heads of the mushroom poking out. And what's used is both what happens is this it's a parasitic mushroom that takes over this caterpillar and mummifies it in this mycelial cocoon, basically. Um, and then the mushroom pops out of its head. It's really right out of a sci-fi film. It's really far out. Um, but they use the whole thing, the cat the mummified caterpillar and all. It turns into this like hard. You know, if you dry it out, it, it's totally preserved. Um, and they use the whole thing, right? Uh, the caterpillar and the mushroom for teas and concoctions, but it's super expensive. And they're just starting to figure out how to cultivate it, but mm. really at, a, at like a bench, bench scale type thing, very small scale. There's this other mushroom called Cordyceps militaris. And that it's bright orange, the mushroom, and it actually grows off uh, a moth larva. Um, and so it also grows off bugs and it kind of looks like a Cheeto, like it's bright orange and it has these bumps on it and it grows all over the world. And it is also native to United States and it grows all over the United States as well. And what's great about it is it shares a lot of the same compounds as this Ophiocordyceps sinescens that has been, you know, revered in traditional Chinese herbalism for thousands of years. So it shares a lot of the same compounds, the mechanisms of action. Um, and for whatever reason, it's just way easier to cultivate. And so People figured out how to cultivate it. The first person to cultivate it in the United States was um, Professor Green at, um, I want to say Clemson University, but I think that's wrong, uh, at a university in the Northeast of the United States in 1894. So it's been grown quite a bit here in the United States. I think it, th there was a bit of a hiatus for a while. People weren't really growing it. And then in the last few years, it really picked up speed again and people started growing it. Um, and then we just went full full steam, made a huge commercial farm of it. Um, but we didn't use any bugs. It was totally vegan. We grew it off rice. 
this rice mix and we use like nutritional yeast and a bunch of organic kind of, uh, nutri nutrients. And so totally vegan, you know, um, we grew it in these either Mason jars or these big bins. And it, it was, it looked really wild because we used these, these lights designed for cannabis growing. And so they were red, blue, and white lights, but they, once they shone all together, it was kind of this pinkish purplish color. Mm -hmm. And so you opened this grow room, which had all this mylar kind of reflective material around it. And all these jars or bins of what looked like Cheetos and this pink light and this humidity just kind of, it looked like you're opening this spaceship um, with like, they were doing these lab experiments on Cheetos. It was the weirdest thing for people to visit and see what we were up to. It was like this mad, mad scientist or uh, thing, um, but so rewarding and so fun. And what's good about, you know, I, I said Ophiocordyceps senescence, the one in, in uh, the Himalayas were worth its weight in gold. Cordyceps militaris, because they can be cultivated on a commercial scale, they're a lot cheaper. And so it's, it's kind of the poor man's version of the Ophiocordyceps senescence. Um, but it shares a lot of the same compounds. And in some, it actually has a lot more, you know, it has a lot more cordycepin, which mm. is, is great. So it could be even more potent. Hopefully that, that answered your question. Yeah, no, it did. And I, and I, I, I wanted to, I'm glad you spelled that out because I imagine someone like me hearing you talk about cordyceps, looking it up and then seeing this really like kind of yeah, science. You're like, fiction, wait a minute. Like, yeah, yeah. Wait a minute. Like this, this thing is crawling out of a, a caterpillar's head. I mean, I've looked at the photos, I've seen some of the videos and it's, it is straight out of a nightmare science fiction scenario. Yeah. I um, love it personally. Like I, I'm, that's the one, this is my favorite class of mushrooms is th these quote unquote cordyceps or any, any mushroom that attacks an insect and takes over. I mean, it's, I've always been into sci-fi and X-Files and that sort of thing. So I'm, I'm just, it is wild. I never want it to happen to me, but you know, it is just, it, it, blows my mind that it actually happens in nature and yeah. no one knows about it. It seemed they, they even talk about it in planet earth. Uh, they have a jungle episode, um, and they have these beautiful time-lapse of it. And, you know, um, so that's an easy way that people can see some videos and I don't know if you do show notes or anything, but, you know, I'm sure if you, if anyone has access to YouTube, you can just look up cordyceps, um, BBC planet earth. And yeah, it is. It's like a three minute video. It's, it's pretty far out. It's pretty crazy. I'll, I'll definitely put that in the show notes. Um, I noticed it with your, with the business that, uh, you've kind of reorganized your, your offerings throughout the years. You know, when I, when I first started, there was, there was tinctures, there was capsules, there were raw mushrooms you sold. Um, and there was, a, a, a large variety, I think, I don't know, maybe seven to 10 of them. And now you're down to four primary products. Is that correct? Yeah. So in the beginning, we were trying a bunch of different stuff. Uh, we, we even had a skincare line for about a week um, and it had CBD in it. And then, you know, during that week we got kicked off Shopify um, because they didn't let us sell anything with CBD. Um, and we had a bunch of different offerings and 
over the years, we found out that there's about four of them that sold a lot more than any of the other varieties. And we're breaking our back trying to make these crazy blends that not that many people bought. Mm. Um, and it just added this extra level of complexity. And so over the last year, year and a half, we really have been in this mode of simplicity and just this 80-20 rule, you know, I don't yeah. know if anyone has ever heard of that, of just like focusing on what works and doing doing the things that work really, really well and just focusing on those um, and then building off of those. Uh, and so one one quote that has just stuck with me since I was a kid that my mom used to say all the time, she was like, think of your life as an ice cream company. And I know it's super tempting when you start your ice cream company to, to make all these complex flavors, you know, this Rocky road birthday cake combo fudge swirl thing. But if you don't have your vanilla and chocolate nailed down, you're going to make 800 flavors and they're all going to be mediocre. Hmm. Right. But if you just take your time right in the beginning to just nail your vanilla and chocolate, you know, and make them the best flavors that you could possibly, because, you know, you could have mediocre vanilla, but then you could have like this French vanilla, just amazing, you know, or same with chocolate. You could have just like meh or this rich, you know, decadent chocolate there's. And so once you nail those, then you can, you could go to the step up to having more complex things. And so I took that analogy to our business of like, you know, picking the things that obviously people like the most, like our cordyceps, like our lion's mane, like our reishi. And then we have a blend of 10 mushrooms um, that we used to call mush 10, but now we call daily 10. And it's just a 10 blend of 10 mushrooms. And so we took those four and like, okay, we'll start with our tinctures and then we'll make those four into capsules. Uh, and then we just launched a powder line, but we took out reishi because we thought people don't really use powders at night. Uh, and so we were about to launch it and then we were thinking it through and we thought, yeah, I don't think that's something that people will use really in their routine at an, at mm -hmm. night, maybe a couple people, but it's not really a routine that people have is making powdered drinks at night. Um, so we skipped that one and then we're coming out with the, the first USDA certified organic mushroom gummies, which we're super excited about. They're delicious. They are addicting. They're dangerous. Um, because they're so they taste so good and they're pretty low sugar. Um, and they're we jammed them packed with, with a ton, very high potency uh functional mushroom extracts. And then next year we're we're making, you'll... yeah, we're making a ton of other products that are super exciting. So I have one question around, how do you recommend people start out with them? And, and, and I'm thinking if I yeah. can ask personally, you know, you, I know you have a formula for energy. That sounds good to me. You yeah. have a formula for focus. That also sounds pretty good to me. You have a formula for calm. Sounds pretty good. And then you have this, this multivitamin formula. Yeah. Um, is there danger in taking all of it? No, uh, I take all of them in every single format every day. <laughs> yeah, I take every... So I take tinctures, powder, and capsules, every single variety, every day. Um, so there's no toxicity to these? Or no, is there toxic? 
No, there is there's a lot of papers uh, on trying to find a lethal dose, and it is extremely high. Um, it is, it, there's no likelihood that anyone is going to OD. There is some complications I've heard of, you know, um, a blood thinning medication that some people, you know, you might w- not want to use reishi or cordyceps with. Um, but that, that blood thinning medication has complications with like grapefruit and cinnamon and like a a bunch of things. Um, it's pretty rare and your doctor will give you a pretty strict, I'm not a doctor. I can't, you know, I can't give medical advice, but that's the only thing I've read in literature that has any sort of contraindication. Um, and obviously if you're going into a surgery, like, you know, trust what they say of what you can and can't take before a surgery. But yeah, you're not going to overdose, right? This isn't mm-hmm. a, a pharmaceutical drug that, you know, if you take two capsules instead of one, you know, you, you got to rush yourself to the ER or something. Um, is there, but is there a recommended starting dose? That you, there is, you we, we have it on the side of the bottle and, you know, it's, it's really hard thinking holistically, you know, it, it's hard to find, because one paper, you know, even if they studied it with humans, they could find a dose that worked with those specific 200 humans, but it could be different for you. Um, you could be half their weight. You could be fasting that day. Uh, you could just be very sensitive, you know? And so what I recommend for people is starting with the starter dose, the, the recommended dose, and just kind of tweaking it from there. And and think of that as like your lily pad and maybe one week will be a different dose than another week, right? If if you're if you're just right, you're traveling to Switzerland and you're spinning 800 plates and you're like, you know, you have a death in the family and you have your you have a a deadline for your business coming like in two days and you're XYZ traveling internationally, you might want to take a, you know, a bigger dose than someone who's just on their couch and they're having a totally relaxing week. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so adjust it as you need. Um, and it's also, I, I know a lot of people might be confused of which format is best for them, right. A tincture versus a capsule versus powder versus gummies that are coming soon versus something else. Really. I, I like to say there's not one better version, right? So a lot of people are like, well, what's the most potent version? Uh, and I think the most potent version is whatever fits in your routine, the easiest. Um, it's like, what's, what's the best exercise? Yeah. It, whatever works. What's you doing it. do? Yeah. yeah exactly. You doing it and whatever gets in your bloodstream, you know, um, if you have never heard of a tincture, it's so foreign to you but you make a a smoothie every morning and you have three other powders that you put in there, the powders are going to be for you, right? If you have a handful of capsules and pills that you take every morning, add a few more to your, your capsule handful. You know, um, if you're an herbalist or whatever, you know, tinctures, you take CBD as an oil dropper and that's just part of your routine. Take that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's great. You know, I know we we are a little bit past our hour, but I 
this has been great. I, I found this very insightful and 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 clarifying for myself. And I hope listeners um, get ex- get interested and curious enough to to really take this this step and and check out what you're doing because. Again, I've, I've as a as a practitioner, I've I've found this is what you do so helpful. Um, I, I would before we go though, I want to just I want to ask if you'd be willing to come back at some future date and discuss psilocybin in more depth. This I know this is yeah. not something you're 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 producing at all, but um, you know you 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 predicted out ten years, and with the the reclassification, the rescheduling of psilocybin uh, underway in in several states. Um, do you anticipate, is there a little seed in your mind around, uh, you know, where I'm going with this, might you produce psilocybin down the road? Yeah. And I, I say it with that tone because I'm so excited for psilocybin and I think it has huge potential for, you know, helping people with end of life care for helping people with many different addictions from, you know, eating disorders to addictions to hard drugs, to alcoholism, to whatever it is, um, to PTSD, to helping people with depression. There's so many things that psilocybin can really help people with. Not and to mention so many, wake, waking up too. <laughs> you know, yeah, literally it, having to wake sure. up. Yeah. And, and, and even as basic as just like creativity, right? Yep. <laughs> just like, or just feeling just a little bit better, you know? Um, I, and so, people have said, you know, it's like five to 10 years of therapy in five hours. Um, so I see the benefits and I'm so for it. But the reason I gave that tone is because there's also a stampede of just people that cashed out in the cannabis industry that have, you know, $300 million to throw at this and have no heart behind it and have kind of maybe malicious intentions or just kind of purely capitalist intentions that are trying to make a quick buck and throwing shoulders and are a little bit cutthroat. And so I'm, I say it in that tone of, I'm not excited to be playing in the same ring as that group of individuals um understandably and so i'm trying to find my place and i'm you know we're focusing on just you know we have a mushroom podcast we we bring on experts and doctors who work with psilocybin all the time and uh we're we're gonna keep making a splash in the general mycology space and and keep having a a love and respect for for psilocybin, um, we'll see how that unfolds and practically how we ha- form a relationship and spread it to the general public. We haven't fully figured that out yet. There's been a lot of, we have a toe dipped in a lot of different areas. And so we'll see. Um, I, I will be transparent that I am hesitant. Um, <laughs> Just be of all the things I just said, it it, it is a space that I want to be very skillful, uh, skillful with, and and be very intentional in how I proceed with it. Because, yeah, it is. It can change someone's life. They could have a very profound, beneficial experience, but someone at the same token could have a quote unquote bad trip, right? Yeah. They could, they could be 
pushing down so many rep- repressed, you know, very traumatic experiences. And it all comes out, you know, 10 years of PTSD, all just flood out in a matter of five minutes. And it could be a lot, you know, and people can run around screaming and, <laughs> you know, they'll be fine afterwards. I mean, it, it it's nothing that's permanent or that, you know, um, but it, it, it is, of course, every, everyone, everyone powerful. does. Yeah, I feel like it, my, the, the older generations and my father and his friends, everybody seems to know somebody that did have a bad trip. And then they it was actually semi permanent that they they were kind of they were kind of knocked off the rails for. Yeah. And it'll ever it'll after shake someone up. And, you know, there is a there is a big crowd of, crowd of people that say, you know, there's no such thing as a bad trip. Um, and that trauma and that like, it has to come out and it has to be surfaced to deal with it. Um, mm-hmm. and it is about this, you know, about integration and having the right set and setting. So, you know, maybe it was, it was good that it came out, but not in the right space. So if yeah. they're in the middle of Manhattan times square, yeah, if they're middle of times square and they're having a bad trip, that's the worst place to have it. But if you're around people that can help you work through that, you have a journal, you have a, you know, a therapist, you know, have the right setting that can be really uh, profound. So because it's so powerful, I have this, I have a great respect for it. And I don't want to just go head in with this sparkly eyed, over enthusiastic, you know, I've been in those very scary, um, experiences. So I know how powerful psilocybin is. And so I'm not, and maybe these companies that are just, you know, maybe they haven't had those experiences. Mm. Uh, and so they're, I, I am a little worried of people being a little overzealous and just being like, Oh yeah, mushrooms are great. And shove it in your pie hole. Let's go, you know? And, and like just and then people start to freak out and they're like, oh shit, I didn't build the proper environment to hold to hold this, right? I didn't make a safe space. And I don't know what to do when someone's dealing with uh really, really powerful, you know, trauma. Uh and so if we were to go into it when we do, it will be very, very intentional and very well structured. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's what I would like to, you know, part two of our conversation when we do it again, um, I would like to get into the kind of the role that it could play in a spiritual practice, because I, I have found it incredibly, incredibly helpful. And, um, I think set and setting, as you might, as you mentioned, needs to be discussed and kind of, we could, I would love to talk to you about the phenomenology of it and, and then uh, integration process, and also the the, the kind of the, the the interest that's growing around uh, microdosing uh, yeah. around that too. So if, if you're open it. to it, let's yeah, let's, do, let's flag that and come back. But I want to just thank you so much for for talking about functional mushrooms today. I hope everyone uh, gets the benefit of out of this conversation and is inspired to consider cordyceps, reishi, lion's mane, these 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 great mushrooms uh, that you're producing. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank. All right. Well, thank you, Alex. Talk to you soon.
Okay, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Alex Dorr. He's a real gem. Uh, it's an honor to know him and just to see the development of his work and career and mission. Um, so if you're interested in exploring the benefits of functional mushrooms for yourself, please use the link in the show notes. That's the, our affiliate link from Everyday Sublime from me and Terry. Um, if you use that affiliate link, we get a small percentage um, kickback, which helps support the show. And we really appreciate that. So uh, do check those mushrooms out, cordyceps, reishi, and see for yourself how they can enhance your energy and mind. Um, and to that end, given the stresses we're all living through, that we continue to live through, the, the flames of war, the flames of social injustice, the flames of environmental, near environmental collapse, and the, the sort of the doomsday scenario we're living through. Um, as I've been saying in my talks, I'm optimistic, and I'm optimistic based on my conviction that human consciousness, specifically human psychology, specifically human psychology and the psychology of tribalism, is at the root of these conflicts right now. And my confidence, my optimism—I shouldn't say confidence so much, but more my optimism—is in the. It lies in the potential of humans to transform their consciousness through intentional heart-based practice. And that's really the heart of the work that Terry and I are doing, both in terms of facilitating the Riverbird Sangha through the Yin Yoga School and through the podcast here, Everyday Sublime. So we thank you for your support. Please consider joining the Sangha to practice with us. Please consider a training with us. Please consider sharing a podcast episode or writing a review of the podcast in your favorite podcast app. Any of that... Um, action on your on your half is really helpful in terms of our work and supporting us so pick up some mushrooms uh, share an ep a podcast episode stay safe keep practicing take good care and i'll see you in the next episode